as Cataract is still, and I hate to say will remain, the leading cause of blindness. We would never go in and just say, this is what we're going to do. It's always a consultative process. Always, it has to be. I think that's one of Save the Strengths is, is listening, seeing what the need is. Welcome to The Power of Sight, a three-part podcast series by Save a Canada. Almost everyone will need access to eye care services during their lifetime. SEVA, an international development organization, has restored sight of over 5 million people and helped prevent and treat visual impairment for millions more in low- and middle-income countries. As writer and international development researcher Jonathan Glennie said, dignity is perhaps the one thing that human beings across the globe in myriad different contexts most instinctively recognize and long for. Well-intentioned foreign-led development in low- and middle-income countries continue to leave behind unintended consequences that can be wasteful and even detrimental. SEVA Canada recognizes that fostering dignity among its partners, giving leadership roles, autonomy to make decisions, and equity in achieving development isn't simply measured by the growth of programs and the number of eye patients successfully served. More importantly, development must advance human dignity both for local eye care professionals and the very poor they often serve. Can dignity be measured? No, but everyone recognizes it. In part two of this series, we look at the importance of ensuring development with dignity in Save a Canada's pursuit of providing quality eye care to people in low and middle income countries around the world. In the small African town of Moshi stands a hospital on the edge of a stunning vista. Which means that you look out the window and you see Mount Kili, which is a pretty, pretty incredible sight. Mount Kilimanjaro, at more than 18,000 feet, Africa's highest peak. The inspiration for Ernest Hemingway, climbers from around the world, and for Paul Courtright, who set up the Kilimanjaro Center for Community Ophthalmology there, in 2001. But it's a view that too many others simply can't see because of blindness. As cataract is still, and I hate to say will remain, the leading cause of blindness throughout most of Africa, you know, for the generations ahead. So cataract truly is where we have to put our efforts. While the location may be spectacular, Paul Courtright, who's also a member of Save a Canada's board, actually chose the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro for another reason. We set up at that particular site because it's the place where there's also a medical school, and in medical school they train ophthalmologists. The Kilimanjaro Center for Community Ophthalmology trains local eye care personnel in how to build and manage their own self-sustaining eye care programs, from research to planning to implementation in partnership with Save a Canada. And so it's trying to get away from the charity model of expecting somebody to fly in, do the work, fly out, or provide free surgery, fly out, and instead say, how can we help people set up systems and hospitals and eye units that can survive on their own as much as possible with good organizational foundations and try to generate a little bit of money to help support their works. 
Low- and middle-income countries have a vastly disproportionate share of the world's blindness and visual impairment. Many of those who are afflicted with cataracts and potentially blinding infections live in remote areas. These folks are what we call at the end of the road. They are the ones most disenfranchised, the most poverty-stricken, they have the less amount of access to resources. And reaching people in need of eye care can be difficult, particularly in Africa. This is one of the things that I think that, that people globally don't really recognize is that Africa, you know, the distances and the transport systems are much weaker and distances much longer than in many places in Asia. So that the cost of getting somebody to hospital in Africa is often double uh, or more what it would cost in India, for example, to get somebody to hospital. So that is really something we always have to take into consideration when looking at costs for these services. For those who are able to access eye care, the results can be life-changing. Dr. Ken Bassett has been witnessing it for decades. A lot of the places people come in not even be able to see their fingers or even barely tell light and dark, and the next day they can see. So the patch comes off and they're able to see again. So it's, it's just overnight, it's, it's a miracle. And yet solving the problem isn't simply a matter of setting up clinics. I think that everyone is familiar with, with stories about international development that have gone terribly wrong. Penny Lyons Head Save a Canada, a Vancouver-based organization that's been working to eradicate blindness around the world since 1982, learning valuable lessons along the way about working with local partners and communities with integrity and towards development with dignity. Yeah, it's, it's another culture, it's another uh, milieu where you have to you have to consult with the people that you're working with to make sure what you are studying or what you want to implement is actually going to work. We would never go in and just say this is what we're going to do. It's always a consultative process. Always, it has to be. A caution echoed by Paul Courtright. You have to remember that throughout Africa there are many different tribal groups, uh, ethnic populations, different cultural identities, such that the way you provide service to somebody, uh, let's say a Maasai in certain parts of Tanzania, is gonna be quite different as to how you reach into and find people in Ethiopia or Kenya. There is no kind of one model that you can just plop into a setting and say, this will work. It really requires a lot of clear understanding of, of that particular cultural group, how to convince people, how to interact with the community leaders. You know, there's a whole range of activities that need to happen. And, and as I said, there's no, there's no magic bullet. To understand different communities and the extent of blindness within them, research has been a big part of Save a Canada's work. Dr. Ken Bassett, an epidemiologist, professor of medicine at UBC, and Save a Canada's program director has been at the forefront since the 1990s. So epidemiology is, is simply uh, the study of disease. So what you do is you count how many people have blindness, how many people, how many men, how many women, what type of conditions, what age, and where do they live. Even before trying to provide eye care, it's important to learn how big the need is and exactly where that need is. 
So the first survey that SEVA did was a really famous one in Nepal. It was the first national survey anyone had ever done. And it was to find out just exactly this, what caused blindness. They found that the problem was cataract. At that time, the whole world thought it was infectious diseases. And following that survey, they, the whole eye care world had to retool, reorganize, replan and uh, retrain. I think that's one of SEVA's strengths is, is listening, seeing what the need is. BC ophthalmologist Dr. Marty Spencer has been restoring eyesight and training local ophthalmologists and eye care professionals on surgical techniques in Africa and parts of Asia since the 1980s. I mean, I know some organizations, they come in with all the equipment and we're going to do a whole lot of surgeries and then we're going to leave, which is, for one thing, it's not empowering. It's giving the message that you have to have white skin to do this. A point emphasized by Paul Courtright through his experience at his Kilimanjaro Center for Community Ophthalmology. So the, the progress has been in quite a few areas, and I think it's really important to see that, you know, Africans run their own eye care programs. Yes, they need some support from groups like SABA Canada and others, but you know, the fact is that a lot of it can be now managed from, you know, within the local uh, environment. Also important, respecting conditions on the ground. I've, over the years, have partly just because being in settings where certain things weren't available, I've learned to streamline my instruments so I, you could fit the instruments that, that I use into a shirt pocket, whereas here you, we have trays of instruments, and so do in a lot of settings overseas, but you really don't need all of that. In addition to learning to understand different cultures, there is also the challenge of reaching people in remote areas. But even once there, eye care workers sometimes face unexpected resistance. Dr. Levi Kandeki, Burundi's trailblazing ophthalmologist, says many people simply are resigned to being blind. They are very fatalistic and they are very accepting. They think they are old, so it's normal they can't see. So for most of them, getting vision restored is not really an option for them. So there is a lot of very low awareness about the possibility to see their vision get, get restored. In Tanzania, Elizabeth Kashiki of the Kilimanjaro Center for Community Ophthalmology says there is another fear to overcome. There is this fear of a poor outcome because they have never seen maybe someone who has received the treatment and is now seeing better. So they are worried, maybe, maybe I'm going to be the, 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 the guinea pig on this service. Save Canada has made enormous progress since the 1980s, always keeping in mind the principle of development with dignity. It means working within different countries and cultures, guiding local partners in the creation of their own programs, and SEVA supporting their efforts. We do really good work. We make sure that the work that we are doing is what is needed and will provide the best care for the most people. Eye care is something that is so fundamental and so necessary. And when we're talking about cataract, it is just so easy to fix. It's so easy to fix, it's almost criminal that there's anybody blind from it. In the beginning, the focus was on eye caps, performing cataract surgery on location, often in makeshift operating rooms. That focus has shifted, with patients being brought from less populated areas to hospitals in major centers, and the establishment of community eye centers in smaller villages. 
And as Marty Spencer points out, SEVA Canada's support goes beyond bricks and mortar. Well, one of our expressions in SEVA is it's all done with people. You know, in, in years past, we'd go to a developing country and they'd build an eye hospital. That's small potatoes. You need the people first to find, and then it's manpower, developing the manpower to support the surgeons, to support the whole program. So what's needed is training. And working closely with communities, as Paul Courtright emphasizes. It is a major undertaking and it requires a really strong connection with communities. It's not something you can just sit in a hospital and expect that patients will show up. It requires a huge amount of effort to get up to the communities, find the patients, make sure they get access to services and provide a good quality surgery. Among all the challenges of developing and supporting eye care in low and middle income countries, there is one more significant cultural difference that has to be navigated. Men typically have more ability to access funds to, to get their eyesight treated. So that's why you'll find more women who are blind or near blind is because they, they don't have the power to use family funds to get treated. How Save a Canada is addressing gender inequity in global eye care and working to balance the scales in our next episode. You can ensure everyone has access to the power of sight. Visit seva.ca 